Hello, everybody. It is Rachel Porter back with another episode. And Rachel Courtney. And today I'm super excited because we have a super really cool, interesting guest named Madison. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, guys. I'm Madison, founder of Mata. Yes. So um, if you all don't know what Mata app is, she'll obviously go into it. But if you are anything into online shopping or fashion, this is definitely the app for you. Um, I interned with Crub Group this summer, and it is a fashion PR agency. And Madison's one of our lovely clients. So when we got to meet her, I was like, um, she'd be perfect for the episode because we're not too far in age. You're a recent graduate. You love fashion. So I thought it would be perfect to have you on. So start yeah. by telling us where you're from, where you went to school, did you just recently graduate this year? I graduated last May from Boston College, so 2019. I've been out a full year, which is wild, um, but I grew up um, in Cleveland, Ohio. I live in New York City now, uh, but with the quarantine, I'm back with my family for a little bit. Hopefully returning soon. I miss my team, and I miss New York. Aww. Yeah, we love New York. That's where I want to live, for sure. But are you guys seniors, or what grade are you guys in? We're both juniors, but we're graduating early, so we're graduating next fall. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, Go you. Yeah, I might try to push it back a little because I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to enjoy get one more like normal year before I go back into the real world, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> so how old are you? Because I feel like that's really interesting, your age, since you are just like a college, recent college grad. Are you 23? Yeah, I'm 23. Okay. Just turned 23. <laughs> So when did you come up with the idea for the Mata app and where did it come from? So I think it was my freshman year of school. So 2015, 2016, um, I was rushing to get ready for a date. And like, as all of us, I had so many clothes in my closet. And I was like, God, Taylor, my room. I was like, nothing works. I can't find any outfit. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if there was an app for this? And she was like, well, why don't you make it? And I was like, no. Fast forward five years. Here we are. I've made it. Um, so it kind of came from that initial frustration. And like, I'm an avid online shopper. Ask my credit card company. So I was already pretty like well-versed with what was going out there. And I felt like, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but we shop at all the same stores. Like I was shopping at Revolve, Shop Bop. Um, where do you guys shop? It really just depends. I like Revolve. Mm -hmm. I like ASOS. ASOS. Mm -hmm. ASOS, Zara. And I felt like there needed to be something else out there where everything was in one place and things were a little bit more catered to me. Um, so I started building it up freshman year, and it took a few years to develop. And then we just launched in January. So it's been a wild ride so far. Yeah. Talk about the first initial stages, like, I'm trying to think, like, you had this idea, so where did you start, like, developing it? So I found um, some web developers in Cleveland, where I'm from, and I was so naive at the time. I thought any type of developer would be able to help make this, but I realized it was kind of like bringing the plumbers to do the paint job. Yes, they can paint, but not totally sure if it's going to look how you want it to look or function how you want it to. Um, and so I built the initial prototype with them and I was really lucky. One of my dad's friends, um, was in the retail digital space in a way. Um, so I could kind of turn to him for advice, but it was a lot of just putting myself out there and just trying new things. I had no idea where to start and 
I guess I took some wrong paths, but then everything ended up where I needed it to be. Yeah, I was going to ask, were you always, have you always been into fashion? Yeah, it runs in my family. Um, my great grandma came over from Armenia to design clothes for all of like the Hollywood stars back at like the beginning of the 1900s. And then my grandparents had a store. Um, and so then that was just kind of passed down to me. Did you do anything fashion related in college? Like what was your major? Um, so I was actually an English major. So I spent all of college writing poetry. Um, but I did some journalism. I did like the fashion column at our school newspaper, The Heights at BC. But besides that, not too much. I attempted to have a fashion blog back in high school that went nowhere. But that's when everyone was trying to be a blogger. So I was like, I'll try it too. Um, but I've kind of dabbled here and there and stuff. But I hadn't had any formal experience in the fashion industry. Have you learned more about technology since you've gotten into the app? Like, I don't even know how to, where to start to make an app. Yeah, and I'm still learning. Um, my background is definitely more creative. And so with tech, I was clueless, hence why I just found random web developers. Um, but what I've been doing to learn more, I mean, now, obviously, I know more. But there's all these little phrases that they throw around. And I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about, um, what an ETL is, or what this backend database is. So anytime they'd say something, like every meeting, I'd stop them 10 times, be like, can you explain that to me in the most dumbed down version you can, because I want to understand what's going on. Um, so that's how I eventually learned the lingo and still working on it. Yeah, I definitely don't know anything about that. Um, so since you said you went to Boston College, how was that like balancing your networking, balancing school, also your social life, like how did you do all that in one? Because I know Boston College is a hard school. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think because classes were something that I really enjoyed and they were mostly writing focused. This sounds weird, but classes were my break in a way. Yeah. Um, I kind of let the creative side of me go in classes. So it balanced nicely with when after classes, I would have the very business side of things. Um, but I did spend a lot of time networking, a lot of Saturdays finding like conferences to go to, except I don't really like the phrase networking because I feel like that's super transactional. Like what I learned along the way is that you want to build the relationships. And I think when you go into it with like the networking, I need to make this connection, you get freaked out. And then at least in my case, I'd be like, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. So I met so many of my mentors through like networking at school um, but a lot of it was like building those relationships at first like let's see Harvard Business School had so many um, fashion conferences like luxury goods conferences and I remember Gucci came to one of them I feel like I told this story um, yeah, yeah. Um, and Gucci, the CEO was Gucci was coming and some of the executives to talk to some Harvard Business School kids so I snuck in um, and then afterwards, I just marched up to the CMO and I started asking him a bunch of different questions about the app, about the Gucci app um, and Gucci's branding and all of that. And that was such an amazing like resource because then we started chatting after the conference. Um, and he gave me a lot of ideas from when I was building up Mata. Um, so that's just kind of one example. But by putting yourself out there, even if it is a Saturday, it'll, it'll be worth it. Except don't totally sacrifice your social life. I feel like that's so important. Um, 
just to keep that going. I'm definitely someone that can just throw myself into work. And I think especially if you guys are looking to move to New York, everything's like more, more, more. And so it's almost like the busier, the busier you are, like that's the cool thing in a way. And I'm kind of trying to do the opposite of that right now and be like, I need balance because I know what happens if I just dive in and I forget about everything else. Yeah. So I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but we're just going to roll with it. What, in your words, would you describe what that Mata is? Tell us what that is all about. You're good. So Mata, um, we're basically a Tinder for outfits. So we partner with some of the biggest fashion brands and retailers like Shopbot, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's. And we recommend outfits in the swipe left, swipe right dating app format. Um, and so we also, when we bring all those brands together in one place, we have a universal checkout cart. So anything that you find through our app, um, you can buy straight through us. So we're kind of playing matchmaker. We're finding the best outfits and the best products to match with, you know, the best customer. And so I don't know if you could explain this, but how does the app, like when I go on the app, I don't know how to word this. But I guess, is it the coding that's doing the work to, like, match an outfit with somebody? Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, our algorithms. Algorithm. Um, mm -hmm. That's the phrase. So we created these algorithms that we um, have a patent on now. And basically what it learns about you, your behavior, and um, your answers to the style quiz, too. Um, it'll recommend outfits that are just for you. So when you guys are on it, your outfits will be different than yours, Rachel and Rachel, you'll have kind of two separate experiences. Um, so it's very personalized to each user. And the outfits are a combination of like algorithm generated and then also stylists generated. So we have stylists from Vogue, Glamour, um, a lot of celebrity stylists helping create those initial outfits to then train the algorithm to create more outfits just like that and a little bit more tailored to you. Wow. So when you just started, it was just you, and then did you have to kind of like recruit a team to come help you as you started to grow? Mm -hmm. Now there's about 40 of us. Oh, wow. um, yeah, we started just me for a really long time. Um, and then the way I built my team at first was I found my mentors first because I have absolutely no experience, so I know I needed people that had, you know, 25 plus years of experience in the industry, um, you know, they were more higher up at their companies. And so that was a good way to like have people on my team without having to pay a huge salary because um, at least in my case, there was equity or, you know, shares in the company to kind of for that founding team in a way. Um, and then once I graduated, so last year, we actually started hiring people um, and the company grew very fast at that point. I'm someone that likes to do everything. So letting go of control was not the easiest thing. I was kicking and screaming, um, but I needed the team. So what does your team consist of? Like what are the different uh, roles? Yeah, so because our company, we're small and we move really fast. Um, we all technically have our roles, but we all do a little bit of everything. Um, so Melina, who basically does 
everything as we all do, but technically her title is digital producer. Um, but she does everything from styling to strategy to helping with our social media. But then we do have our more formal positions like our CTO um, who helps with strategy for tech and then our actual developers and our actual data scientists that are tweaking these algorithms and looking at the data and then adjusting. Um, and then we outsource some of it too. So like Crep Group, where you're interning, um, Dylan and Cindy and Olivia, they are the ones that are going out there for our PR. Um, and then we outsourced some stylists too. So the team's always changing based on who we're outsourcing. Um, but the internal team, who we have hired full time, we really we take on everything. The interns and myself kind of do a little bit of wherever we're needed. That's so fun. So you said that some of your people on the app are like Nordstrom, ShopBob, et cetera. So how would you present the app to other professionals like a big company like that? Like how would you present it to them in a way that would made them believe you and like trust in you? Um, like how did I pitch them? Yeah, pitch. That's, yeah, pitch. Okay. Um, so it took a lot of adjusting to find the right pitch. But what I learned um, and what I saw starting out is that all of those big companies are trying to reach kids our age because we really are going to be the, well, the customers of today, but also those lifelong customers. Um, and I feel like they were trying a lot of things, but nothing quite was like sticking with us. Um, and so that's kind of how I pitched it to them is how this is an app built by Gen Z for Gen Z. Um, and so we're building a platform that we know we already want. And so this is going to help you cater to that younger demographic and then also transition into a more innovative company. So as you see, like so many of the retailers are struggling today. Every day on the news, there's like so-and-so filed for bankruptcy. And I think that the companies that are struggling the most, in my opinion, are the ones that are a little more reluctant to innovation um, and they're staying in their very, you know, archaic way of operating. And for us, we offered them this really cool new way to innovate and reach the younger customer without any investment from their end. So when I first started, we were saying, you can be on the app. All you have to do is one button, just send us your product feeds. Um, now, obviously, as demand increases, there are different, um, what's the word, stipulations that come with being on the app. Now it's a little bit more um, selective to get on our app. But at the time, it was just like one click, super easy for the brands. So by showing that they can reach this young demographic without having to invest anything, it was an obvious yes on their part. When you were just getting started and were just a startup, what was like, did you ever have like a big learning moment or were you ever like really discouraged and just had to keep going? Yeah. Oh my God. I go through that literally every day. I feel every single emotion about my company in one day. That's <laughs> what being an entrepreneur is. Um, but I remember a really big issue. If you want a specific example. Yes. Okay. Um, so when I was first trying to get, it took me a really long time to get any brands on board. It was like three years of cold emailing. And then when I finally got my first brand on board, I was so excited that I just went full charge with more brands. And within three months, we went from zero brands to 3,000 brands. And, you know, 
so many of my mentors told me along the way, Madison, we have enough brands, let's just launch with this. But I was in this very naive mentality where I was like, no, the more the merrier. We need all of these. And then the week before we were supposed to launch to the public, the app completely crashed because all of a sudden we had like 20 million products and our system couldn't handle it. And so that was one of those moments. I was like, oh my God, our entire app just crashed. I have investors that are expecting this out. We had huge press outlets that were waiting to launch, that were waiting to launch their articles on us. Um, so many people were expecting it out in the fall, but that was a really great learning curve because I'm someone that likes to move really fast and I had to really slow down and be like, okay, let's be selective and let's be strategic with the brands that we are going to have on here, which I think was a really great call. And it needed to happen because fast forward six months or what, eight months, COVID hits. And all of a sudden these retailers that and these brands that we were going to have on the app can't fulfill orders or they have to shut their doors or X, Y, and Z. So I look at it like I'm really thankful that happened because, you know, if we didn't, our customer experience wouldn't be as great because we do rely on those brands to fulfill orders. Um, so it slowed me down. That's the lesson of the story. But yeah, I thought it was like the end of the world when that happened. And all of my mentors and advisors and team, they're very grounding. So they're like, it's fine. Like you're always, there's always going to be a new big problem you have to get around. This is just, this is just one of them. Yeah, for sure. I feel like COVID in general has made people just slow down. Yeah, and I think we needed it. It goes with, like, the busier, the better kind of mentality that everyone has right now. But yeah. slowing down, I feel like it's a good thing. I feel like it's really helped me a lot. Um, like you said, you have mentors and you've learned a lot. But besides, like, mentors or your advisors, who else have you met in, like, the industry that you have found to be really inspiring or, like, motivating? Um, oh, that's such a good question. Um Huh. Or like it could be so, like, one of the retailers. I don't know. I just thought, I wonder who she's met or come in contact with, because especially in New York City. Or even, this is a common question we ask our guests, is what um, the word influencers do you find to be like inspiring or that you like to keep up with online? Yeah, so it's wild that um, these influencers that I followed since high school are all of a sudden brand partners for us. So I can't say names yet because we are actually launching campaigns with them relatively soon. But we just had an awesome campaign with Emma Legere. How do you say her last name? I don't want to say it, but it was so good. I know. I always want to say Emma Legger, but I know that's not correct. It's like her last name is French, but we love doing the campaign because I have been a follower for so long. Um, so it's wild, like all of a sudden working with her. Um, or like when I... It's weird. I used to idolize so many people in the industry. And then now when I'm, you know, at trade shows with them or different events, or I got to go to my first fashion week and I was with them, it's a very surreal experience. And I'm still like pinching myself every time I go. And I'm like, I so do not belong here, guys. You're so much cooler than me. Um, but I'm trying to get over that. But that's been, that's been really cool to see. Um, my senior year spring break, my friends are going to Punta Cana, but I decided to go to this retail conference in Vegas. Why? I, I don't know, but I just knew I needed to. Um, 
And it was so terrifying, like just being in the room with all these like CEOs of these huge brands that I was shopping at and these venture capitalists and all these really cool people. Um, and that was a really big learning experience. And I think I learned more at that conference in two days than I did all four years of school. It was that real life experience. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you don't really learn at school. I mean, you learn your basic stuff, but like, what are you guys studying? I'm in strategic communications. And then I'm in fashion merchandising. Oh, okay. So you guys are studying fun, cool things. I was like over here reading Keats. No, but I'm I'm like, you set up. like the most I've ever learned in school, like it's when I've had to do projects that like require me, I don't know, to like actually put an effort because I know they're going to be in the public. Like cause we do, I do advertising. So I'm like, okay, I'm actually going to have to do well on this because it's going to be used. <laughs> like that to hands on in some mm-hmm. ways. Like they had to what, do the the bookstore you guys did the yeah so we like visual merchandise our bookstore and stuff UK. And yeah yeah so even with the magazine we found that we're get, we get more excited and we feel more productive when we're doing stuff we're actually enjoying rather yeah. than like book stuff you know because mm-hmm. it like it's also a little nerve-wracking though because you're used to like studying in books and then all of a sudden when something's going to be out there you're like ah people are going to see it like that's at least my feeling <laughs> yeah. and I I like being critiqued but sometimes I like I'm like I definitely need to work on being critiqued like mm-hmm. it's different when you just get a little piece of rubric from your professor and then when you go to like a real job or like the magazine or your internship and then they tell you it to your face it's different than it is on paper, you know what I mean? But it, like, helps you grow. Yeah, yeah I used to be so afraid to hear anything negative. And then um, junior year, I did an internship with Entrepreneur and the editor-in-chief over there, Jason Pfeiffer. He's now, like, one of my closest mentors. But he told me that the first time I have a fear of – I did have a fear of public speaking. Um, I've had to get over that since. But he told me the first first time he was on air afterwards he turned to the hosts of the show and he's like tell me everything I did wrong what did you hate and I was like why would you actually ask people that like I wouldn't want to know and then I started doing that and I realized that like the more criticism I got I could just view it as like a learning experience and I guess I learned to like separate criticism from me like you have to kind of learn that separation that's so true like you think it's a person but it's really not like it's not no it's gonna be better yeah like okay I'm just gonna improve that um so what is it like being intertwined I guess you touched on this a little bit with not only the fashion industry but the technology industry at the same time like how much does it overlap is it more fashion that you see yourself working in or technology if that makes sense yeah I personally feel like I go back and forth where I'm needed. Um, and for a while, I was very much in the tech of it all and working on building up the actual product. And so then when I had to get out there editorially and start showing my face and start doing these campaigns and marketing and everything and really make that fashion industry transition, it was a little difficult for me. I'm one of those people that you know could be on the corner in, on my laptop or reading a book and I'm content being out there was a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but I also feel like, you know, our company is in this Mata is in this limbo between tech and fashion and like people look at us as another retailer, but I look at us more as a tech company. 
um, because we're not looking to replace that retailer model. We're just this ecosystem. We're connecting everyone. And so when I look at us long term, I think that we definitely are more on the tech side because we're looking to transition also into the beauty industry and into, you know, we've had so much interest from home decor and furniture companies wanting to license our technology. And one of my mentors, he looked at me and he goes, Madison, I hate to break it to you. You're a tech company. You're not a fashion company. And I was like, what? No, we're, we're a fashion company. And so I've had to, I have to switch my mindset a little bit and I have to think fashion for the customers and the consumer side of things. But then when it comes down to business and investors um, and all of that, then I have to put on my tech brain. It's a strange, it's a strange balance. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, it sounds interesting though. Like I, like I said, know nothing about anything about algorithms or. Mm -hmm. And especially the age that we're in now, like college students, mm -hmm. I know that the Mata app is really beneficial to people like us because we have all these functions we're going to, like all this sorority stuff. So I think that definitely is a great idea. Yeah, and we so many people our age already use like Tinder mm -hmm. or so they know Mobile. how to work stuff like that. Yeah, like when I was on it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun because like you don't have to actually message the person because it's an outfit that you swipe on. You're like, oh, I just it's an outfit. Like I'm obsessed. It's addicting for sure. Like I really yeah. Even I get addicted to it. The other day, I was like swiping through, and I was like, "How is it like 8 p.m. already?" I got on here at six. I was like, "This cannot be healthy." But I think it's just yeah, like you like what? it. Mhm. Mm yeah. But I like it a lot. It's fun. Um, I guess you kind of touched on this too. But besides that one moment you had the ash, the, not the ash, the app crashing, how have you come like overcome any other difficulties or obstacles? that you've had over the years with the app. Another question to go along with that is, did you have any difficulties being so young? Yeah, and that's Like real. people take you seriously? Or do you think they were more willing to help you because your age? I've seen both. I've seen a lot of retailer, or a lot of the brands that we approached were super eager um, to jump on because they're like, okay, she's young, we're looking for something young, we're looking for something fresh. But at the same time, um, we've had some competitors emerge and their, you know, leading team is full of industry veterans that have that 25 plus years of experience in the industry to pull from. And so it's really, at first that really freaked me out to be like, how am I possibly in the arena? Like, how can I not compete in a way, but be next to these people that know what they're doing? And I feel like I don't. Um, and so one of my, I keep saying what my mentors say, but they've been so integral to all of this. She's like blinders on Madison and like focus on what you're doing and focus on doing it really well. And for us, our focus right now is creating that awesome customer experience. Um, and so when I kind of put the blinders on, I think less about my age. Um, on the investor side of things, I think that people sometimes forget that I'm, 23 and so expectations are a lot higher which also really stressed me out at first I was like how can people expect for me to perform at this level if I have no clue what I'm doing um but then it forced me to rise to that occasion so I like when people forget my age because it makes I don't know it helps me grow a little bit faster 
Yeah. Does that answer your question? I feel like I just talked in a circle there. <laughs> kind of. I just have, like, I've noticed, even at just, like, a normal everyday job, like, when you have a part-time job in school, when a c customer complains, sometimes they're, like, get a manager or something, and it kind of makes you feel like, why don't you trust me because of my age? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think also we're turning into this point where a lot of people value our opinions actually a lot, like our generation's opinions more than any other right now. But mm -hmm. cool. Like, I don't get that much negative response to our age anymore. But also, did, I don't know if this affected anything, but did being a female in the technology field and the business field affect you in any way? Yeah, I think that, well, one, I talk like I'm 16. My voice, I look like I'm 16. And here I am, like, 5'2", walking into this tech company's office and they're like, what are you doing here? The amount of times the people like thought that I was like doing an internship with them or something like this year. Um, but I love when that happens. There have been so many times when people are very surprised by like what I'm doing or who I actually am when I show up in a meeting. And I love that moment of surprise when they don't expect it coming and they just do. Um, so I know I'm like not answering this question quite right, but I really try to avoid like thinking about what other people are thinking like when they're interacting with me and learning that that's like not my problem and all that matters is like my performance in that moment. Um, so I'm really trying to like stay away from being like, oh my God, do they think this? Do they think that? That's a, good, that's a very good piece of advice. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that all the time. But I'm like, it doesn't matter as long as what you're saying is making sense and as long as it, you know, you're confident, you're being a nice person. So I like that advice a lot. So what would your life hack be for um, our audience? <laughs> oh, a life hack. <laughs> I use, this is weird. I don't know if people do this. I use lipstick as blush. Oh. Like, okay. like an actual lipstick slick. Because it makes it dewy. It makes it look like you're glowing. I'm like, I have to use this glossy cloud paint and this yeah. cloud paint only. <laughs> like, I could just be using my lipstick. Yeah. yeah you look like a little like flushed in a good way. And then you get that little shimmer too. I do it all the time without noticing. And my friends are like, what are you doing, Madison? I'm like, it works. <laughs> so with TikTok. Are you, do you think the mod app's going to take any advantage of that or go any deeper into that? I don't know if you can really, but have you all talked about that? Yeah, so we're just at the beginning of our influencer campaigns, and I always thought Instagram would perform the best, but I realized we haven't tried TikTok yet, but YouTube. We had Emma do a YouTube video, and that outperformed wow. all of the other things, and I was like, that's so interesting because I didn't expect the video because it's harder to then download the app. I just wasn't expecting it. So I do really want to try TikTok because I feel like you don't have to be as involved, but there's still the videos. So like my little sister's 18 and all of her friends are like, get on TikTok. And I was like, I don't have a TikTok. I don't know how to use TikTok. I'm scared of TikTok, <laughs> but um, we're going to try it. I think it'd be successful. Yeah. Like with our magazine here at school, We've always just stuck to Instagram thinking that it was the best platform, but we have recently just started our YouTube channel and making TikTok videos, and so far, it's so good. I think people like the YouTube videos, too, because they can actually see how to use the app and, like, watch somebody's reaction to it instead of just seeing it in a post. It's hard to explain yeah. the app unless you're seeing it or experiencing it. 
that's probably why I was so successful. But her photos were so good that she took for that. She's amazing. I idolize her. She's so great. <laughs> look at them to like choose which ones to post, and I'm like, um, these are all perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, wherever she lives, I'm like, I want to live there. Like, it's. I know. <laughs> oh my god! But, um, are you so you're going back to New York? I am. Hopefully, within the next few weeks. I think it's time. Do you guys time to this, or do you think you're going to be fully remote? So we work out of a cobra. Have you heard of the wing? Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> oh, I love working there. Yeah, that's where my team works out of. It's like it's so much fun. There are people going through with clothing racks. Everyone's all fashionably dressed. It's all pink there. It's amazing. <laughs> Okay, I, I've, like, been a follower of The Wing, and oh, it's, it's her name, Audrey, Audrey, maybe, the mm-hmm. um, but yes, I've always, like, followed the company, but it's nice to know that you're using their space. Oh, yeah, we absolutely love it there, and the events that they have, um, and it's super easy, yeah, we practically live there, my team and I, if we're not there, we're at my apartment, we were hunting for, like, an official office space, and then we all fled the city when COVID hit, so we might, oh, sorry, what? You can keep talking. Oh, that, I, that was literally it, so we might, we're probably going to still work out of there if it opens, um, but we are looking for a place to call our own. So do different, just businesses rent out space from there or there's a lot of freelance writers there a lot of freelance stylists kind of you know anyone in the creative space that's a woman a lot of female entrepreneurs there too it's like the cooler trendier female we work yeah um that's so neat that is Um, so cool i saw where they well they originally started in new york right and then they opened a bunch of locations across the u.s yeah Oh yeah, they're they're all over the place. It's really nice. So when I'm traveling, I know I have like some place to call home base if I'm like out of New York, but I still need an office space. Their merch is really cute too. I know, I love it. And they have that magazine, No Man's Land. The best piece of advice I got for this, which completely helped me and all of the people that I know now are from this. So Jason, the editor-in-chief at Entrepreneur, he told me, Ask people about themselves. Don't ask something for you, but try to have them tell you more about themselves. And that'll open the door for that relationship with them. And so I learned that when I wanted to make a connection, when I would like even cold email people, I'd ask them a question about their company or what I saw in the news with them in it or something. And that gets so much more of a response versus I'm looking for this and I would love your advice. So if you try that, like I guarantee that one will work. People love to talk about themselves. Yes, and he was like, one thing you'll learn in this industry is everyone loves to talk about themselves. <laughs> like, but I love Cindy. She's the best. Yeah, like, it's such a compliment when you ask somebody like what they do or mm-hmm. tell me more about yourself. Okay, well, we have taken a lot of your yeah. time, but thank you so much for getting on this call with us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, of course. This was so fun. Yeah, it was so nice awesome. to talk to you. Thank awesome. You. So great to see you again and great to meet you, Rachel. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye, guys.